Wow. Episode 10. This is 10 episodes in. Um, I want to thank everybody for taking time out of y'all's day to, to rock with us and listen to these coaching stories. I genuinely appreciate it. Um, for episode 10, we got a great one for you. We have Coach Ray Carroll of South Santa High School and Coach Steve Silverstein, also known as Sly, of Clark High School. Now, these two guys have been in the profession longer than I've been alive, and I mean that respectfully and full of love. Um, I have nothing but admiration for these two coaches. They do a phenomenal job. They have so much great insight for coaches all over the place, and, and I hope you guys enjoy this episode just as much as I did. We have Coach Ray Carroll, Coach Steve Silverstein, two legends. Let's get after it. There you are. Good, good. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Let me see where our buddy Ray Carroll's at. Okay, perfect. What's up, hey. dude? How are you? Marcus, how are you doing? I'm good. <laughs> good to see you. It's always a pleasure to see you guys. Yeah. Hope all is well. Oh, for sure. Have you guys been up to the school lately? Uh, just came back. Got Last my- week. Teacher Appreciation Goodie Bag today. Wow, that's nice. Yeah. Our uh, our principal and his staff invited everyone to come do a drive-by. And uh, they gave out a bunch of goodies to everyone, you know, in appreciation. That's nice. For, um, you know, everything that's going on. Yeah, we, we went back last week to hand back basketball stuff in the lockers. So I don't know if y'all have already done that or not. But uh, That's scheduled next week. Yeah. Yeah. We did it this morning. Kind of let them in one by one, go to the locker, get your stuff. Um, did you get a quick, quick workout in while you were uh, <laughs> <laughs> pitching towels? <laughs> Thought about it. I walked in and I saw that our gyms were waxed and, and they, they got them all done. So – it looks so pretty in there. I didn't want to mess anything up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <no. laughs> so, uh, Cowboys. Yeah. Cowboys, baby. We'll, uh, we'll get this started if y'all are ready to go. Um, Coach Silvestre, I don't know if you've seen any yes, of the folks uh, and, and how, it, how it works, but just to break it down real quick, um, I just feel like coaches, our profession, do a wonderful job. I think we have a great fraternity. Uh, here in San Antonio and in Texas of coaches that um, have the ability to connect with people and connect with kids and change lives. And so I just want to get to know about us, about these people as much as possible and, and kind of get the word out. So we don't, we're not going to really talk much X's and O's, more so about your story and how you connect with kids and, and, and those types of things. Great. And, and this is actually episode number 10. You guys get the big number 10, so I appreciate your time. One oh, you got the two oldest guys for number ten or what? Uh, <laughs> I got I got the two vets. I got the two veterans. <laughs> so we got uh, Ray Carroll from South San and Coach Steve Silverstein from Clark High School. Uh, thank you guys again for for joining me. Um, let's talk a little. Thanks bit for about having this. us. Oh no problem, buddy. This lockdown, this COVID lockdown. How are you guys maintaining? What are y'all doing to stay busy, uh, stay sane? That kind of thing. Uh, go ahead, Ray. Yeah, uh, first of all, uh, thank you, Marcus, for this opportunity. Uh, I've enjoyed uh, watching your other conversations with 
coaches throughout Texas. Um, I think you're doing a spectacular job with this. Thank you. Um, back to your question, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm working um, mind, body, and soul. Um, given our circumstances with us uh, not being able to be back at school or work with our guys or, or you know, teach class, um, we, we have a lot of dead time at home. So um, I'm getting my rest, which is well needed. Um, I haven't felt this fresh probably since high school. Nice. And um, working on my body, been working out. In addition uh, to getting my rest, uh, running every day, I joined a uh, online run club, and um, <clears throat> that's been pretty motivating. You know, to get out of the house and get your exercise in. Um, I I challenged our players. I I told them I said I better not come back in better shape than you. <laughs> so um, that's been fun to do, and. Um, it's just got to a point where um, I've had to take a deep breath and just kind of uh, bring everything in with everything that's happened. Um, it certainly makes you appreciate everyone that you have in your family and everyone that you're associated with. Um, it makes you appreciate the things that you have and given the circumstances when a good majority of People have lost everything that they've worked so hard for. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, because on any given moment, it could happen. And you could end up losing everything. So I like to um, cherish all the opportunities and um, working on myself to try to make myself a better person and uh, reflecting on, on the things that have happened in my life and excited for the opportunity to return. Awesome. That's great stuff, right? Uh, what about you, Coach Celestine? I'm just trying to stay active, uh, working out some, getting, getting outside some. Uh, I tell you what's been really neat, probably the same for you guys and all of us, is just being able to talk to guys from our not necessarily that you played ball with or but you went to school with maybe, you know, us guys, I mean, we can not talk to somebody for five years and then get on the phone and then we're best of friends and we remember the good times. It's been incredible the, the people that uh, we've been able to connect with and coaches and teammates and schoolmates, uh, family members uh, through this is all of us checking on each other. To me, that's been, been, been the neatest thing. Um, and I'm, like everybody else is dying to, to, to get into the gym and work with our guys. I mean, that's why we're do what we, what we're doing, uh, even if we are great classroom teachers, but, uh, so anyway, just trying, trying to stay active and, and staying connected with everybody. So. Good deal. Um, let's talk a little bit about childhood. You know, we don't have to go too deep into it, but where'd you grow up? What was your childhood like? Um, uh, and, uh, we'll get into your coaching journey after that. Go Steve. Okay, well, I, I, I'm telling you what, I, I could not have a better upbringing in childhood because my mom and dad were, were teachers. My mother was an elementary school teacher for 38 years, and my dad was a coach. So I actually grew up in the gym. Uh, my best memories are traveling with my dad's team. He, was, he walked his way up in the Clear, Clear Creek ISD 
at Webster Intermediate, uh, Clear Creek High School as a sophomore coach, sophomore football, sophomore basketball. When Clear Creek and Clear Lake split in 72, he went to Clear Lake with Bill Kruger to be the assistant, so I went to Clear Lake. So he was a JV coach for 17 or 18 years at Lake. Then when Clear Brook opened, my dad got the job uh, when he was like 56 years old and coached there at Brook for about six or seven, no, about seven years. So I just was able to be grow up in the gym when I got old enough to drive. I had keys to the gym at any time. Uh, so that was, that was a great experience. So it was neat having moms and mom and dad that were in education. And my dad just passed this uh, past December, but they went through, got TRS, and that's what they've had not just survived with, but have uh, uh, prospered with and flourished with in their retirement over the years through TRS. And so it's really, really been a neat deal. And then uh, got to go to A&M and play there for four years under Shelby Metcalf. And uh, it was a great experience. And then uh, from there, got into high school coaching and coached at Colleen Ellison for two years when I was 25 years old as a head coach. Wow. <laughs> so the only thing I had on those guys is I could outplay him a little bit when I was still young. So you guys know how that is. Marcus, you're still into that, I bet. But, yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but you can get their attention a little bit. Uh, when you're a young coach at being, uh, being pretty good player. Uh, so anyway, that's, and we can go into the coaching part of it later, but that's how I was, I was brought up and it, it was, it was a great experience. Coach Carroll. Well, I grew up a military brat. Um, so, um, had the opportunity to travel around the world, you know, born in California. And then a month later we took off to England uh, then we came back here to the States, moved around a couple of times, and uh, got shipped back over to England, stayed there for a few years, and then came back to the United States and moved around again. So um, I grew up as a military brat, and my dad was uh, played for the military team and also coached the military team, so I got my exposure there as a youngster. Um, although my dad had to spend a lot of time away from home because of what he was doing in the military required him to, to be gone quite a bit. So my mom got me exposed to sports. You know, she taught me how to play catch. She taught me how to shoot a basketball, swing a bat, uh, taught me how to swim, ride a bike. I mean, she did it all. Um, so uh, the military lifestyle, when you lived on the bases, you know, you had the gyms. You had the swimming pools, you had the bowling alleys, you had the knees, you had everything that you needed. Um, and so I took that pathway. You know, we'd get on our bikes in the morning, go up to the gym and play basketball all day long, and then go jump in the pool and swim and, and uh, you know, just make sure that we're home by dark. So um, that's how I got my uh, experience with, with athletics because uh, we, we did it all. I mean, we played football, we played basketball, we played baseball, uh, was on the bowling teams. And, you know, all of those leagues were sponsored by the militaries also. So um, it was a, a very, very good experience. Well, Ray, I got, to, I got to experience that when I was coaching at Colleen Ellison with Fort Hood there with, yeah. uh, with, the, with the military families. And it was incredible. And, and, of course, a lot – with San Antonio having a high, uh, heavy military, Air Force, Army influence, but I mean, you could have 
a, a family move great athletes and kids and then lose them the next year or last year. So, yeah, but hey, it's funny, right? Because I spent a lot of time playing out there on posts when, yeah. when I was young. Yeah. So, at four, too. Yeah, I mean, we were, we were in the gyms all the time, you know, yeah. playing, playing up against the older uh, oh, guys, yeah. guys that were <laughs> yeah. already actually in the military and weren't still in, you know, school. Yeah. So, um, you get exposed to, um, you know, bigger, stronger, faster players. More, so, um, more physical. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah. The one thing you always hear about uh, basketball on base is the physicality of the, of the game. Now, those guys really get after it. And so, that's got to be a great For sure. growing up in it. Let's talk about your, uh, your journey, your coaching journey. Now, where'd you start up until about this point? And everywhere in between. Go ahead, Ray. Well, I got my uh, coaching start um, uh, upon graduation of college. I did my student teaching at Lee High School over here in the Northeast School District, and uh, we had a, we had a, an outstanding coaching staff all the way across the board. Uh, veteran coaches that had been around a while. So it was a, a great exposure um, to the high school coaching scene. And uh, one thing that I learned was I needed to make a name for myself. So um, I volunteered my services and went out to football practice every day um, and volunteered my services uh, with the basketball coach, Coach Williamson at the time. And, um, you know, even though you're, you're there to, to do your student teaching and to try to graduate, I was trying to network myself for a, a future job. So I, I, you know, sacrificed a lot of things on my end just to get out there and get exposed to what it's really like to be a coach. And um, back in those days, you only had one basketball coach because all the other coaches were coaching football. And so Coach Williams had asked me if I would be interested in taking over the freshman team to get the freshman kids out of his hair so he could just concentrate on the varsity. And uh, I was like, sure, you know, let's do it. Well, lo and behold, we had a kid by the name of Artie Griffin who uh, years ago was a standout basketball player for Lee High School. And uh, we ended up going 30-0. and 0. And um, – during that process, one of one of the football coaches on staff, Rick Cash, who played in the NFL, got the South Sand head football job. And so he, you know, he told me, he said, Hey, look, once you graduate and all that, make sure you give me a call and uh we'll see what we can do. And uh sure enough, uh once I graduated a position it opened up at South Sand, which I was very fortunate. Um, because I was a December graduate, and typically those positions don't become available in the middle of the year. And uh, so I was able to join on the South Sand staff uh, right after graduation. And then after South Sand, did you have some other uh, places you ventured out to? Yeah, I spent uh, three years with Coach Lou Torres um, at South Sand uh, before I before I journeyed on, but uh, just to talk about the success that we had at that time, you know, uh, I'm walking into a high school job 
right out of college. And uh, we had Gary Durbin and uh, Jesse Huerta, who were two outstanding basketball players at the time. So we had a really good season. And then our younger kids coming up were uh, Henry Izaguirre and Jerry Soto and Gavino Ramos, who, if you know them through the basketball network, were outstanding players as well. So we were able to uh, make a name for ourselves at that time. And uh, Mr. Durbin, our athletic director, had convinced me that I needed to leave and go get a head job so that he could eventually one day bring me back. And so, you know, I took his advice and I applied for jobs all over the state. I mean, I went West Texas, East Texas, Dallas, Houston. Uh, nothing was available here in San Antonio. But a job opened up in South Texas, Carrizo Springs. And I got overlooked on all these other spots. But I was like, let me throw my name in the hat here and see what happens. So three of us applied for the job. One guy out of Ohio, the assistant coach of the team that went 0-28, and, and me. So when I went down there and interviewed for the job, uh, Coach Tate, longtime uh, successful football coach, um, said, hey, let's go take a look at the gym. So we go in the gym, and it's the old rubber floor gymnasium, and the five-man sled's on the floor, and there's track marks all over the floor. And he goes, well, what do you think about the gym? And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> and he goes, uh, let me go show you the equipment. So we go into the locker room, and there's two basketballs. There's a, an old flat red, white, and blue ABA basketball. And then there's an old NBA basketball that weighed about 100 pounds. He goes, well, those, there's your basketballs. <laughs> and then so he goes, um, let's, uh, let's go drive down and sit down and have a talk with the superintendent. So we get in his pickup truck and we drive downtown. And we walked in into his office. Mr. Dr. Uribe was his name. And Coach Tate said, hey, Dr. Uribe, I want you to meet our new basketball coach right here. Ray Carroll. I was like, what? <laughs> I mean, he didn't even ask or, you know, it was just like a done deal. So I was like, all right. I mean, what better way to get, get the experience than to, you know, you know, roll the dice and just, you know, go out there, risk reward kind of thing. So I accepted the position. Uh, got, that was my first head coaching job down at Carrizo Springs. So we were down there for three years, and then the West Campus position opened up, and Mr. Durbin said, hey, now that you've got that head coaching experience, we're going to bring you back. So um, I was fortunate enough to go back and coach over at West Campus for uh, six years. Um, and we were very successful then, and then I had an opportunity to go coach out at Northeast at Madison High School, and I was there for three years. And then another position back at South Sand opened up, and it was a position that was very, very interesting. So I decided to go back to South Sand. And currently, that's where I'm at now. It's a nice journey. Heck of a journey. Yeah. Ray, how long have you been at South Sand head coach now? Well, um... If you include West Campus, which is also an right. extension of South Sand, I have been with South Sand uh, 27 years total between the two. Gotcha. What yeah. about overall coaching experience? How many years have you been coaching? 
33. Yeah. What's his story look like, Coach Silverstein? Well, I, uh, going back, I told you I graduated from A&M in 80, played ball there, made a lot of great connections, and uh, it, it was with the legendary Coach Metcalf. And uh, so I went to graduate school about a year and a half after that and then left, went to Katie Taylor for a semester as an assistant, the spring semester, and then Coach Metcalf helped me get a job at Colleen Ellison when I was 25. So I went to went to Colleen Ellison and coached as a head coach there for two years. Had some good teams. Uh, got to play against Larry Brown at Bryan High, who won consecutive state championships. They were in our district. It was Colleen, Ellison, Coppers Cove, Temple, where Kirby coached against Kirby Johnson at Temple High before he we went to Temple J.C., uh, Larry Brown at uh, uh, Brian High. There was one more I can't remember. Anyway, so that was a trial by fire. I was way out of my league on that deal. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> uh, left there with the John Marshall in San Antonio. Y'all probably didn't even know that. I was a head coach at Marshall for one year, 85, 86. I uh, was young, still wanted to get into college. So I went from there. Uh, I had known Gene Iba since I'm from Houston area. So I'd known him when he was at Houston Baptist. So he hired me at Baylor. Funny story, guys. I was a low man on totem pole, but here, here's the staff at Baylor. These, these were small staffs, division one at that time, but Gene Iba was the head coach. Danny Casper was the assistant. Kim Anderson was the other assistant. And then myself, Kim Anderson's now at Pittsburgh state, but he's at central Missouri. He was a head coach at, Missouri for about three years and lost his job there, but got a, even a better job at Pitt State. So, uh, coached two years at Baylor, met my wife in San Antonio, was at Marshall. We were apart. So, a job opened at St. Mary's. My wife was uh, training to be an OB-GYN, which she just retired from. And so, I came to St. Mary's and got to coach with Coach Jim Zelznak, who's an assistant, and Buddy Meyer. My first year there, we won the national championship, uh, of which Gary Durbin was on that team. And another story, Ray, I don't know, I don't know if you were there with Lou Torres. I actually recruited Henry and Jerry to come to St. Mary's yeah. uh, their, their senior years. Yeah. And, man, I, so I spent a, a, lot of, a lot of time in their homes and watching them play. And, God, that was such a great – I don't know what – I think that was 91 maybe. And I think you guys, South Sand lost to, to Ray Jackson and LBJ, uh, Austin LBJ, I believe. Right. right. Yeah. Out at UTSA. In the, yeah, uh, at UTSA. Uh, the regional tournament. So. Yeah, regional, regional tournament. Yeah. And, boy, that, that team was fun to watch, man, oh, man. So, yeah. so anyway, I stayed at St. Mary's for three years, and then uh, John Jay opened. So was lucky to get back and got into Northside and was the head coach at Jay for seven years. And we had had some good runs, uh, got out of coaching and taught at O'Connor for three years, actually stayed at home for a couple of years and didn't, didn't work, stayed at home with the kids, came back to Northside after three years and was the girls head girls coach at Stevens High School, who we just just opened up. So I got to coach my daughter. And coaching girls was fun, but it's hard, and it makes you a better coach. 
and uh, it just it's the whole a whole new perspective. I thought it was really good for me as a coach. And then when Kevin Hamilton left Northside to go to the athletic office, I went to Clark, and this will be my twelfth year at Clark as a head coach. So that's the story, man. I got to work with some great, just like you, Ray, and I got to work with some great people. And uh, gosh, dog, my influences, you know, were here, here's the influences I had. Shelby Metcalf, he was an old Henry Iba guy, the way they defended and played. Buddy Meyer, old school of the old school. Mm-hmm. Gene Iba, the name Iba ought to tell you something. So <laughs> so I'm trying to make sure that we stay on top of stuff and play modern basketball and all that. Yeah. So, But, uh, but man, it was, it was great, great, great. I always got to coach with Stan Lang was my assistant at John Jay. James Joseph, who's now the head coach at Holmes played for me. Ray, I know you could go through the whole, Yeah, you know, Gerald McCaslin is a head coach at Holmes. Now he played yeah. for me at Jay. Yeah. Uh, Romero De Leon and I coached together. Romero was retired. He was at Holmes and Roosevelt. And, uh, and so it's just, it's just been a, a, a great run. The whole thing, Marcus, like you're saying in race, just getting to know people and relationships and, and all yeah. that. So if we just talked about wins and losses, man, you, you just, you just wouldn't do this. I mean, yeah. it'd drive you crazy. So, you know, you know, when you, you mentioned names, we're probably talking way over the head of Marcus because of the age difference, but I'm going to throw some names out. My high school coach was Alan Rayum, who was yeah. a Stanford player at South San and at Southwest Texas. And then uh, I was actually getting recruited by Shelby to go play at A&M. What year was that, Ray? Uh, this was in 80, 1980. Okay. And, you know, I went and did the recruiting visit, went and did, you know, this, that, and the other. And, you know, Shelby was kind of, oh, well, you know, we're, we're looking over here, looking over there. We like you. But, you know, it'd be nice if you go and you play junior college ball and then, we'll, you know, we'll evaluate you from there. Uh, so his influence was pretty good. Uh, John Thornton was yeah. the Hill, Hill coach, who's a former Aggie. He's a good so I fan. Played for, I played for him, and then I played for Ray Roberts, who's a former yeah. Aggie. Yeah, so there's a lot of connections there. And then uh, after Hill College, I decided to go uh, down to Southwest Texas State, and Bob Derryberry was the yeah. head coach there. Uh, Billy Clyde Gillespie was our student manager at that time, or a GA, later became the Kentucky head coach. And then, of course, so, you know, those are some pretty big names of basketball right there. Yeah. And then uh, coming in and doing my student teaching at uh, Lee Williamson, who I believe was the head coach when Rick Bullock was at Jefferson. I think he was. Was at Lee. And his assistant was Bruce Meller, who was a professional baseball player uh, and college basketball standout at Adams State, who later became the head coach at Lee. Yeah. Um, and, 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 of course, upon graduation, getting a job with Lou Torres, who's got a, a, you know, a scroll full of basketball um, tradition as well. So I, I've been able to surround myself with some uh, really good people and guiding me um, in the direction – to where I'm at now. Those are all great mentors. And, and I know some of them are before my time. Like you said, 1980, Ray, I wasn't alive yet. 
Um, yeah, I know. Put that in perspective. Yeah, you'll have to get uh, you'll have to get on your computer and Google all the highlights from then, and look at all the newspaper articles. Well, but it sounds like uh, you guys are pretty lucky to have uh, those kind of influences in your life. Those are some powerful influences. Yeah, Coach Silicon, how many how many years total in the, in the coaching business have you been in? Uh, this will be going into thirties. It's 36 of coaching, including uh, college. The college, there's five years in college coaching there too. So, and a couple years, a uh, couple years as the as an assistant. So, uh, and the four years on the girls' side at, at at Stevens, which was, which was a lot a lot of fun. So, so super got, fun coaching coaching daughter. You got about 36 years on you and 33 in Ray. So, so from the time you started to to this point, what are some of the big changes, biggest changes you've seen? in the profession that, that stand out, come to mind? Ray, you have anything and then I'll, I'll follow up or. Yeah, I think the biggest change, which is a good change is the exposure to high school basketball in the state of Texas. I know uh, when I was coming up as a high school player, uh, the word amongst colleges outside of Texas was, we're not going to recruit Texas. They only play football in Texas. So we had very little basketball exposure in the state. Whereas now when you watch an NCAA tournament, six, maybe seven of the guys in the starting lineup on both teams are from the state of Texas. So I think the exposure of it, of the sport itself has, has evolved, uh, which is a, a really good thing for us as coaches and is uh, really good for high school players. Um. I agree with you, Ray. It's, the thing I think that's really cool is how the playoffs have expanded. Back when I was in high school at Clear Lake, they took one team. One team. And then, Ray, it went to two teams for a long time. And then three teams – and now four, and who knows, they may open the whole thing up for everybody at some yeah. point in time. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, you know, but, but I, th- I think that's really, to me, been a, a, a great thing uh, to have four teams that, that get in. Yeah. And uh, the, I, I'm, I'm hoping, and I don't know if you're addressing this with the other coaches. I haven't seen all of the, the, the podcasts, Marcus, but – if we can move towards getting a shot clock, uh, I, I think would be great, great for the game as we as we move along a little bit. Uh, but it, you know, and in, in some ways, the the, the game is as as you know, you have the, the the rivalries amongst schools. It can be neighborhood neighborhood just like the awesome rivalry you guys have, Marcus, with your sister school at Harlandale or. Uh, you know, those type of rivalries, I think, are, are just so neat, and they kind of, like, continue year on year, even though we have had a proliferation of schools in San Antonio, Houston area, Dallas, or, or wherever. So just like I was going back, you can, like, when Clean High and Ellison play in Clean, that's still a big, you know, a big game. So the high school rivalries are always, uh, you know, they've, they've maintained and are still really neat. You know, you yeah, I'd like to jump back into what, what Steve was saying. I think uh, rule changes 
have been uh, good for this uh, game of basketball. Um, I know when uh, Steve and I played, there was no uh, three-point shot. Um, everything was a two-point conversion. Um, we were not allowed to go to any summer camps or play in any summer leagues. Anything and everything that you were going to do to get yourself better was you had to do it on your own. And now there's, you know, strength and conditioning programs. There's summer camps. There's summer leagues. And because of all of those rule changes, then goes back to what I had mentioned before about the exposure for the athletes. So um, rule changes have been a significant uh, increase in uh, making the game much better. You know, kind of tapped into a little bit. I have it written down a little further towards the end, but we can dive right into it. Just the idea of some of the rule changes. I know Stevie talked about it a little bit. The idea of maybe a shot clock or a charge circle. I mean, what are, what are some of your thoughts on some of those ideas moving forward that, that you hear people talking about often? Yeah. Let me, let me go back real quick, and then we can go to this. You remember, right, when we had Summer League, Marcus, there was a rule you only could have three players per team playing. So you'd, we went, we'd meet – John Hunt ran this, and, you know, he just passed away. He's a great guy for ba basketball. But we'd go meet at a local meeting area in May, and we would, we would put our guys on teams. Like, it could be yeah. three Clark players, three South Sam players, two players from uh, McCollum, you know, two players from Hollandale, two players from from O'Connor or whatever. It's just, it was just – because that was the rule. You could not – have three even three players per team so it was it was highly highly le legislated so anyway go ahead even, even with that rule though that was a big change because steve when you and i played we weren't allowed to go to camps at all no or, go, or you could maybe, not maybe we had summer league at all yeah there's some now, players period, took it to court. that was like probably in the early phases of our coaching career when they had loosened up the summer rules yeah crazy yeah and you know another thing uh going way back when if you looked at girls basketball when steve and i played it was a half court game it was three on three really guards and forwards guards and forwards and you played you either played defense or you played offense <laughs> yeah and, you dribble up the half court, and then you'd pass it over to the other three, and then they'd go play three-on-three on, three on that end. So if you were a guard, you never got to shoot, man. You <laughs> were either a defensive player or you were an offensive yeah, player. that's crazy. They, you know, so, you know, the rule changes for the females also yeah. uh, has helped the game overall. I, I, I'll talk – Marcus, were you asking about the shot clock and the yeah. charge circle? or I – I just think it would be a great thing for our, for our game. Uh, and it's interesting now because we're talking to Ray, who's, you know, South Sam, we, you know, you're known for long possessions and stuff like that. But that doesn't mean you're not going to shoot the ball if you're open early. Same thing with us at Clark or wherever. But what I think about it is I think it would make the game better at the end of close games. Say we had a 30-second shot clock. To me, 
say, say you have a lead with a minute 15 left to go, one or two point lead. So most of us, we're going to hold the ball and get fouled. Well, and then if you're on defense, you can, you're probably going to have to come out and trap and try to play high risk basketball so you can get the ball back. But if you're up two with a minute 15 and we have a shot clock, well, you're going to have to run some darn good offense, aren't you? Yeah. To get a bucket and to get a great shot. And by the same token, defensively, you can play great defense without playing high-risk defense, knowing that if you can get a stop here, you'll get the ball back. And to me, I don't know if you guys remember, I don't several years ago, and there was a team from Dallas, highly, highly athletic. They held the ball. The, get, the score was in the 30s or 40s. Uh, they literally held the ball and would not shoot the basketball. I don't remember who it was. Man, they they held the ball, I mean, and weren't trying to score. So I think, too, that, that the shot clock would help uh, help with that. And charge circle, I don't know. Gosh, are we throwing another thing in for the refs to have to worry about? I don't, yeah. I don't know. But yeah. anyway, go ahead, Ray. Yeah, I would actually like to see a shot clock. I think uh, that would help with the evolution of the game. Um, I'm not a fan of the uh, take a charge arc because we're going to take a charge regardless of where you are on the floor. Um, you know, we pride ourselves on that. So I don't, I don't need the the referees to have to have, to, yeah, you know, decide is it a charge or is it not. Yeah. You know, let's take some of the decision making out of them. Well, it's adding another factor to it not only is it a charge or block or but did it happen you know outside of the of the circle so yeah yeah and exactly and we we're not uh we, we're not able to go back to the monitor and make the decision yeah. like in college in the pros so um that would mean that we would have to let that decision be made in the actual action of the event and so I, I, I'm not a fan of that. But, yes, I would like to see a shot clock. Um, we, we kind of have that shot clock mentality already. You know, uh, obviously we're not trying to, you know, set any scoring records. But we're, we, we play at a pace at what's successful for us, for our guys. And we, our, our objective is to control the tempo and control the flow to give ourselves an opportunity to win the game. Sure. And, uh, rather than just run down the floor and just jack it up, we, we're, we're programmed. Yeah. So, you know, when we're looking in our primary break, I mean, we've got one to five seconds, and we've got options that we're looking for out of it. And then anywhere between five and, five and 14, we have another set of options that we're looking for out of it as well. Whereas now we don't have to, we, we, we're going to get set now and we're going to try to execute our offense to look for the next best shot, but we're not in a rush because the rules don't dictate that we yeah. have to shoot it. I think everyone, I think everyone would, I think everyone would adjust, adjust to the shot clock, no matter what your pace yeah. of play. Obviously we all try to, to me, good coaching is doing, playing the best style with, the type of players that, that you have. I mean, that's, that, that to me is always, uh, you know, a, a, a sign of good coaching and a good team, yeah. but. And I'll say this about both of you guys, um, you know, coaching against you or watching your, your teams play. Both of your teams have always seemed to understand what kind of shot 
their coaches want. And so shot clock or no shot clock, I think you guys will both be able to adjust perfectly, perfectly fine. I mean, you guys know what a good shot is, what the best shot is for your team. They, they usually don't take poor shots. And so that's just a kudos to you guys for obviously running uh, great programs. Thank you. Thanks. So, Ray, uh, let's talk about your tournament. You got one heck of a tournament uh, over at South Sand. It's, it's one of the best tournaments in the state. Uh, got some outstanding competition. Um, yeah. Let's talk about, about that a little bit, about the types of teams that you've brought in over the uh, past few years and, and the level of competition. We, we sat down years ago and, and decided, you know, we – we're tired of going to a tournament in town and end up playing the same teams that you have on your non-district schedule. So we wanted to give some excitement to our tournament. And uh, so we, I, you know, just used my network, my connections, and started reaching out to teams all throughout the state of Texas. You know, it's broken down into four regions. And so we, we try to uh, go out and recruit teams in different regions and get them to come here and play against the teams here in San Antonio uh, to give the San Antonio teams an opportunity to play people outside of the city. So you're not having to play the same team in non-district. Then you play them in a tournament and then you turn around and play them again in your district, which a lot of the tournaments have ended up evolving like that. So, um, yeah, we've prided ourselves on on having probably, arguably, one of the best tournaments in the region um, with the variety of teams that we've been able to bring in. I mean, you've had several state. I've, I've seen your tournament. I mean, we've participated in it for many years. Yeah. And uh, yeah. you'll have teams in your tournament later on winning the state championship that year, you know, multiple yeah. teams at different levels. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's impressive. Yeah, yeah we've, had, we've, we've had teams that have – won numerous state titles in previous years. And then we've had several teams that have been to the state tournament and or won the state tournament in recent years as well. So the competition in our tournament is outstanding. Absolutely. Coach, I mean, uh, Celestine, you've, you've played in that tournament. Your teams have participated in it. Uh, what, is your, what are your uh, thoughts? Uh, it's just like Ray said that, uh, bringing teams from all over the state. It's so neat to be able to play uh, teams from different cities that you may not ever get to play again. And also what's cool about it is having various classes of, you know, I think of a Silsby, is it 4A? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, we didn't get a chance to play them, but I, I've seen them play every other. They are so much fun to, to, watch, yeah. to watch them play. I mean, it's just, yeah. in, and you see all these different styles and there's some great, private schools uh it's like you said it's it's as good as it's just really as good a tournament as there is in the in the state to be real honest with you ray so yeah well thank you yeah yeah you know we you mentioned some of the teams uh we've had dallas kimball come to the tournament and they have numerous state championships obviously what steve mentioned silsby silsby has come and has been a state championship uh Currently, Faith Family Academy out of Dallas, South Oak Cliff, uh, won a state tournament two years ago, qualified this year, but then the tournament was canceled. Um, recently, we've been able to attract uh, Antonian from the private school sector who won a state championship and then again uh, runner-ups this year. 
Um, we brought in Midland, who has uh, been a perennial power from West Texas. Um, Atascacita? Atascacita, out of, out of the humble area near Houston. They've been in our tournament here recently, and they, they've had a tremendous amount of success uh, in their division <coughs> at, at the state level, too. So, yeah, the key is you try to – you try to influence a lot of the better teams to come in and play, but you get a variety of different styles mm-hmm. of play, uh, which enhances the tournament to generate continued interest year after year after year. How many years in a row was it that Wagner won? Two or three? Well, <laughs> we're going to have to rename it to the Rodney – Clark Classic. <laughs> They've actually won it uh, four straight years. Four. Wow. Yeah. I didn't yeah. And you know what? Every year I I line them up against the hardest the hardest route to get there. What's he like? You know, like yeah. two years ago, I had him open up with Silsby in game one. I was there. I saw it. It was uh, 92-90 in triple overtime. <laughs> But they got by, and then they had. Who did the shot clock? Then they had to play Kimball in the second round, and then they squeezed by them, and you know. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, the South San Antonio backslash Rodney Clark Classic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh man, that's good stuff. Let's talk about. Um, you no, know, during the season, things can get stressful. Um, you, know, you guys are, are, are well-seasoned. What are some of the things that you do personally to, uh, to de-stress during those tough moments? You know, what is maybe some advice you'd give some younger coaches uh, on how to handle a season? I, for, I'll, it goes back to what Ray and I were taught. I, I'm not sure any of us as coaches do a great job with the stress because we're so laser-focused, and I guess that's a positive thing you can look at it too is being tunnel vision, but uh, for me, is trying to get some form of exercise every day, and it's really hard to do, but squeeze it in uh, before you go in, uh, after lunch. Uh, it doesn't have to – I think of it, too, as just getting something in almost every day uh, of some sort of activity. Uh, some type of cardio or whatever, and to me that helps with uh, re- relieves some some of that stress. Uh, and uh, God, it's so darn hard to eat eat right, but I think you know trying to to make sure that your your nutrition, just like you tell your guys, that's big time, especially over the course of months of of a season. So I think I could do a lot better at trying to be less stressed. So maybe you guys or someone else can help me out on that too. So. Right. Yeah, I need to echo what Steve said um, in terms of physical fitness. I think that's a major priority. You've got you've got to take the time out because you got to work on you. Like this this time in our life right now, I'm working on me to get myself fresh for when we do start back to school. And so I'm hoping that the habits that I'm picking up now will continue when we do go back to school and our, and our time is limited. But I think that that's a really important activity 
that uh, everyone should figure out a way to um, to become involved. Whatever it is that you like doing, you know, if you, I, I enjoy running, so I like that. But you might like to ride a bike. Um, I've never really been into it, um, but that you know, that's another option. Um, and another thing that's important, like Steve said, is your diet. And it's hard for us, you know, because of the, the amount of time that we spend away from home. And sometimes you might just have to pull into Whataburger and grab that burger just because, you know, I mean, that's the only time that you have to eat. So, um, but if there's a way that you could manage your diet as well, I think that's really, really important. So your diet and exercise are, you know, one and two. And then um, I think it's really, really important that you do things away from the job as well uh, to get your mind on other things. Um, if you have a family, make sure that you're spending time with your family. Um, and also make sure that you get out and you do things that you enjoy doing uh, away from school, away from basketball. You know, whether it's uh, going to a concert and listening to music or uh, if you like going to the movies, um, uh, you know, things like that. Yeah. Try, try to, um, I guess the key word is balance. You got to find the right balance. Yeah, it's great. I know, too, it's, Marcus, I know you guys have kiddos or not, but, oh, my gosh, it's our kids are all grown and out of the house and, uh, I, I assume you're the same way, Ray, but that throws a whole nother dimension in uh, to balance, yeah. like you said, balancing that, your your children with your wife and yes. gosh, dog, it, it's, uh, it, it's, it's tough, tough balancing act for sure. Yeah. So to answer your question, Marcus, you know, the, the, in a conversation with a young coach getting his start, that'd be the first thing that you'd want to preach and teach, you know, is uh, yes, you have your list of priorities in life, but make sure that you create a good balance and you mix and match and you, and then that way you are uh, not going to overwhelm yourself in one area, which would cause the stress. That's all great stuff. I mean, I agree with everything that you guys said, as far as the exercise and the, um, the diet, especially, and, uh, and then getting away Sometimes I feel like just stepping away, even coming home, spending time with the family, having dinner, watching a movie, yeah. even on the couch. I'm not thinking about practice or what I'm going to do next. And sometimes if I feel like I'm stuck on something, that time away somehow, you know, relaxes your mind and then boom, it'll just, it just comes to you somehow. It just wow. comes to you and, and – uh, and then so when you're able to revisit that, when you get back to work, it's, it's there, right? Uh, but that time yeah. away is really important. Yeah. Let's talk about uh, elite players, some of the more elite players that you guys have ever coached. And I use the word elite loosely, so whatever you feel <laughs> is elite. Take that one, Steve. You've been around in some really good places. Well, Golly, I, you know, at Clark, this the twelfth year. I mean, we we've had some great guards at at Clark. Uh, Jason Brickman, I guess, is a maybe, but you know, Jason's playing professionally now, and 
the Philippines, I believe. Are, are you familiar with the name Marcus, or I don't know if y'all are the same? Yeah, he, he's he's but, close close to the age, I think. Yeah, uh, there's a there's a couple brothers. Yeah, he, he finished he 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 finished in ten at at uh at at Clark, but he played at Long Island, set the assist record there. I think he's third NCA career assist. Just an incredible passer. He he's the elite of the elite. That uh, uh, we had another player, Adam Perez, who was MVP of our district in 2012. Jonathan Reyes, uh, I think we all know Jonathan. I think Ray, I think we played, yeah, uh, maybe a year or two with Jonathan. Yeah, uh, back to back. I yeah, well. yeah. Uh, Jonathan's went to Northern Colorado. Now he's at Oklahoma Christian. Jordan Kite was one of the finest high school players uh, that I've ever coached. Just finished at UIW and then finished his last senior or uh, I guess his fourth year at Texas Lutheran this past this past year. So those are probably the the, the elite players, I guess, from the last uh, last decade or so. Ray, yeah. Well, you know, I I pretty much have been at South Sand most of my career. So I'm going to reflect back on a lot of the standouts that we've had. You know, our basketball tradition has been solid since the 1950s. Um, and so we've had some really good basketball players come through South Sand. But beginning when I first started as a coach, uh, obviously, as I mentioned before, we had Gary Durbin. And then his counterpart was Jesse Huerta. They were two outstanding basketball players. And then following uh, that class, we had Jerry – Soto and Henry Izaguirre with Gavino Ramos, that group, that was an outstanding group of individuals that we had. And then we've had some really good players follow them. Mark Torres uh, was uh, an outstanding guard from South San. Uh, Robert Cifuentes, you know, he, he was a scoring leader here in San Antonio. Uh, obviously, Sergio Sanchez uh, was an outstanding basketball player, could shoot lights out. Uh, his counterpart, Ray Castillo, incredible shooting range there. Um, uh, more recently, guards or players that I have coached at South San, uh, Andrew Rios, point guard, uh, uh, lightning quick, uh, solid player offensively and defensively, was an outstanding player. His counterpart was Jose um, Josue Isadias, uh, he was an outstanding uh, wing player for us. And, um, you know, when I coached over at West Campus, the uh, the obvious standout there was Devin Brown, who uh, later played at UTSA and played 10 years in the league. Um, so he, he was a standout player that – and so the names that I've listed to you are are right in, from our doorsteps yeah. at South Sand. I know so, um, most of those guys pretty yeah. well. I mean, all great guys. Well, I hope, I'm hoping I didn't miss anybody. And if I did, I apologize. Um, so what was it like to watch? Those really good players come from South Sand. What was it like to watch Devin Brown just score at will, it seemed like, in high school? What was that like? Fun. Pass the ball to Devin. Yeah. You know, when we had tryouts, I had everybody in the gym. And 
you know, I had probably about 200 kids in the gym wanting to try out for the basketball team. So uh, I said this, all right, all of you guys that think that we should pass Devin Brown the ball every time down the floor, you come stand over here on this side of the court. If you disagree with me and think otherwise, you come stand on this side of the court. So all those players that went over there, I said, uh, thank you very much for your tryout. And I turned around and looked at the other players over here and said, all right, guys, let's go to work. <laughs> Well, that was, that's how we made our basketball team there. Yeah, we had a rule. Every time down the floor, the ball is going to go through him. Every it's time. Smart. I mean, it's smart. Uh, yeah. how, how long did but, he hold the city scoring record? Um, he held the record up until Garnica from Lehigh School broke it. Um, and I want to say that was probably – I guess he's – He's established that record in 98, and I think uh, Garnica, Steve, you might be able to help me, was about, what, 06, 07, somewhere in that range. That's been like more like 2010, I think. I, I think he was a little bit later because I think he was the same year as Brickman and them. Yeah. I think, was, I think, I think he might have been 09 or 10, okay. actually. You know what, Coach? Yeah. My brother-in-law, you know Jacob, right? Quinones? Uh, yeah, yeah. Say, I think it's the same year. I think that's 2010. Because y'all played okay. I just remembered another guy, too, I've uh, raved for leaving out. Well, El Hadi Malah, who uh, most of the people know in okay. San Antonio, whose nephew is playing for us now as a senior. Yeah. Uh, but El Hadi, he's the, the all-time leading scorer at Clark. Of play, He played, you know, freshman through his senior year. So I got to coach him for one year. Yeah. You know. Then, then Marcus, if you want me to go back and name some old school guys from, from when I played – uh, I know when I was like a freshman and sophomore, I think it was, uh, we had Gilbert Salinas over at Burbank High School, uh, six foot eleven or seven foot tall. Uh, Burbank won a state championship. He later went on and played at Notre Dame. Um, I know uh, when I was playing, um, there were a lot of really talented players. Uh, Jay Shakir over at Fox Tech, he was a standout that later went and played at Baylor. Um, Kurt Thomas was a standout player over at uh, Roosevelt. Doug Moe, the son of Coach Moe, he was a standout player over at Clark High School. Um, he's probably in your record books over there, Steve. And then his counterpart was Kevin Hamilton, who uh, you know very well, Steve, from uh, Northside ISD. And uh, Cato Hardy over at our revival, uh, our rival at Southwest, he, he was a standout player. Uh, David Glazner at St. Gerard's, he was tough. Raul Elizondo at Holy Cross. You know, there, there's a list of guys that um, were really outstanding players when I played as a player. And then when I got my start as a coach um, – you guys over at Marshall had a really good player, uh, Jason Perez. Oh yeah, I actually didn't coach him. He was he was he was there when I was he was at John Jay. Okay, yeah, he was. He I was, mean, he was when I was at John Jay. He was at Marshall. Yeah. Oh, he was a great great player, one of the best yeah. I've seen in high yeah. school. And then uh, we had uh, we had the scoring battle between Gary and Tony Terrell over at East Central. Yep. You know, so they were pretty much in the same class, I think. Um, 
you know, Jason over at Marshall, he was really, really good. Um, mm, boy, I tell you what, I'm going back in time. Hey, help me out here. The name, and, and as far as, uh, this is just for my own personal reference, but as far as McCullum goes, the name that always comes up is Bill Bailey, but I never saw him play. Uh, did you ever get a chance to see Bill Bailey? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know Bill Bailey really well. Yeah, uh, he was a guy that I was looking up to because he and he used to be running mates with Nick Casas from South San, and they played they played about the same uh, year that Gilbert Salinas over at Burbank did. So, yeah, Bill Bailey, man, I he could shoot lights out. Nick Casas, he was incredible. He could shoot lights out. He later became a South San coach. But uh, another name uh, from McCullum, he's probably in the he's probably in your. Uh, your record books over there too. When I played, was Alan Martin. He was a really good player, uh, and he went down and played at UTPA. Uh, he was a standout player there. And then uh, his counterpart were the Balderrama brothers that yep. played McCullum. Yep. So uh, I know back in the late seventies, McCullum was really, really good. There's a lot, lot of history, a lot of history here in town. Let's talk about. Assistant coaches real quick. You know, you guys have been head coaches for a long time, but also served time as an assistant. Let's talk about the uh, importance of an assistant coach. I mean, they're obviously valuable resources, uh, you know, part of our, of our culture. Um, just talk about your emphasis on how important uh, our assistant coaches are. Well, I'll just start out saying that an assistant coach should make the head coach's life easier. The assistant coach is uh, there to enhance the program and be loyal to the program. And the other thing is, and I've been blessed with so many great assistants, but it's to the head coach as well, but it's to build relationships with the players. To me, that may be the number one thing. Not You don't want goodbye, good guy, bad guy type thing, you know, or good cop, bad cop but having relationships with the players that maybe the head coach can't have. Gosh, so dog, to me, that's, that's, that's the biggest thing that an assistant uh, can, can do. And I don't know, Marcus, you were an assistant at Marshall. Where else were you an assistant? Oh, well, I was with Where Reg else were you an assistant besides Marshall? At Southwest with Reggie. He brought me over to Marshall. Um, you were at Southwest as well, and then to Marshall. So anyway, that's that in a nutshell. What about you, Ray? What do you think? Yeah, you know, you, you got to be that guy that, that takes uh, a lot of the stress levels off the head coach. And, and you do that by establishing the relationships with the players, you know, because we as head coaches, we get on players from time. And then a a good assistant is a guy that can bring the player over, give him a hug, and let him know that everything's going to be all right. You know, uh, and yeah, the the assistant coach has to be energetic. You have to help with parents, and you have to deal with administrators, and you have to deal with budget, and you have to deal with scheduling, and you know the list goes on. The last thing you have to worry about is what's going on in the gym. You know. And so when you're that lead assistant, you're that guy that's boom, getting all that stuff done. So when the head coach walks in, hey, we're ready to go, you know. So you got to be that guy. 
because when you walk in the gym, you want to be ready to go. And so you want that assistant to be that, that lead, that guy that, that, you know, balls are out, the players are getting stretched and loosened and ready to go, you know. And then what you do in practice, you've taken care of in your pre-practice meetings and your coaches' meetings, and then you have your, you know, list of activities that you're going to be doing. But um, you need that leader, that the guy that enjoys being labeled as the assistant coach but takes a leadership role. Absolutely. Um, I got a uh, – like a phone-in question for Ray Carroll. On a scale of 1 to 10, how are your current <laughs> assistants uh, right now? <laughs> well, it depends. <laughs> If he stays with me, he's a 10. <laughs> if he decides on another journey, I don't know. Might have to revisit it. Marcus, also, too, I, going back to your assistance, to the assistance, uh, it, it, it can be a difficult job. We've all been assistants, and the assistants need to know that when they – are pursuing a head job that we as the head coach are there for them and are going to promote them for the head job and respect if they want to leave and pursue a head job that we're going to do everything we can to help them get that job. And I think that's something that's, that's the two way street there. And uh, that's something that our assistants ha have to know that we've for them for that. So. Absolutely. I agree. If they're going to make our jobs easier then we're going to help them, be, be, a, be a head coach. For sure. Marcus. Yep. I would like to give a shout out to a list of uh, assistant coaches that I have had because um, they certainly have been uh, and played an enormous role in our programs and uh, deserve a lot of the credit for the success that we've had. Uh, when, I, when I got my start over at uh, West Campus, I had Randy Evans. My head coach. He was my head coach. Later, your head coach. And then again, two of my former players came on. Jerry Soto was, I coached him in high school, but also he was an assistant for me who later became the McCullum head coach as well. Then I had Henry Izagiri who played for me, assisted with me, and then later became the Edison head basketball coach. And now both Jerry and Henry are in the administrative uh, categories of education. You know, Jerry is now your superintendent, yes, and Henry is an associate superintendent at Southside. So they they have gone on and done extremely well for themselves. Yep. And then uh, another top assistant that I had was Richard Cardness, who, by the way, got his start at McCollum and then came to me as an assistant and he was my assistant when we had Devin and we went on our little run. And then when I left, he became the head coach and he was the head coach at West campus for 10 years and took him to the state tournament. And he was an outstanding uh, assistant coach. And then when I was at Madison high school, um, I had Brian route, who was with me for two years, and then he went to uh, Round Rock Stony Point as a head coach. And uh, now being at South Sand, um, I had um, 
a young assistant coach by the name of Darnell Hell, who is the top assistant at, at Tascacita right now. And he is he's ready to become a head coach uh, at this point in time, and he'll make an exceptional coach um, when he does get that opportunity. And then I had uh, uh, Quentin Mason as an assistant coach, who's now the head coach at Brenham High School in Brenham, Texas. And uh, my current assistant right now, Casey Garcia, like Steve said, we want them to be our guy. But when it's time for them to journey on, we also need to be that, that support factor to help them get a head coaching position. Absolutely. So, uh, and, you know, the same thing with Casey. He's, he's ready. He's good to go. He's been with me four years now. Uh, each year I've given him more and more to do, and he's taken on that role, um, and he's ready. He's the, he told me, he said, you got to ask, Ray. Coach Citizen. Yeah, that's why, that's, that's why I said, in case you didn't know, Coach Citizen. Yeah. That's why I said if he stays, he's a 10. If he leaves, he's a 1. <laughs> My cousin called me and said, hey, you got to ask, Ray, how his assistants are on a scale of 1 to 10 right now. I said, oh, <laughs> Um, well, I've had a lot. I've had I've had a lot of good, really good people yeah. uh, work with me as assistant coaches, and they've certainly been uh, the key factor to all of the success that we've been able to have. Absolutely. Um, let's talk about uh, before we call it a day. Let's talk about uh, just impactful moments in your career. Like, like you said uh, earlier in the episode, Coach Celestine, uh, it's not just about wins and losses, right? Let's talk about just some impactful moments uh, with your student athletes, uh, things that let's make you realize what we do is important and, uh, and, and really makes us love what we do. Off the top of my head, Marcus and Ray, but and you guys can attest to this, and this, this is so uh, – so sincere and true for all of us coaches. The best thing that can ever happen to you know, is when ex-players come back and visit. Yeah. It can be from last year's team. It can be 20 years ago. It can be 30 years ago for Ray and I or older coaches. Uh, but that never – whoever that is, it, 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 what's really neat is it can be a guy that didn't play much at all or it can be a guy that was an all-state player. But when they come back to visit, especially when you're at practice or at a game, uh, that's the most meaningful thing. And it seems like a little thing, but anytime a player comes back, it means so much. There's the current players that are there too. I've had players comment on, on, on that all the time. And what's the best is when it's completely unannounced mm-hmm. and they and they show up. And uh, it's not just to say, hey, coach, you were great and all that. It's just to, to see the guy and, and 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 see how successful and happy and how much of a man that he is and a father and a husband and uh, that's that's the best yeah right oh I, I totally agree you know when they when they come back and they say thank you for laying the foundation it just puts tears in your eyes. You know, um, yes, it, it's it's just uh, I I don't know. We we know what it feels like because we've experienced it. You know, 
given in our profession. But when you, uh, when you're, when you're, when your students graduate and, and then they, they journey on, whether it's on the athletic side or not, you know, right. um, you know, sometimes players are fortunate enough to get collegiate athletic scholarships and continue their play while making their journey in college. Uh, one player in particular that I had did both, did, played in college and played in the pros. And uh, I know the night that he was drafted, he called me that night and was asking me for guidance. And I was like, whoa, you know, here you are, you're fixing to be an NBA player and you're calling me. Yeah. So, you know, that's a really, really neat experience. But then on the flip side of that, um, you know, I've had players become doctors, lawyers, business professionals, uh, join the military, start their own businesses, and just become successful that way. So it's really amazing to see them make that, that journey on and, and become something. I'm fortunate. I've actually, this year will be my second valedictorian. My first valedictorian was back in 96 at West Campus, Alberto Quintus. Graduated number one, went to Princeton, got a business degree at Princeton, and now he owns his own um, financial planning business here in San Antonio. Um, and then uh, 2020 graduate this year, Donovan Ricondo, he's going to uh, graduate number one of our class, and he's going to go to the University of Texas in Austin. And he's, he plans to major in creative writing because he would like to become an, an author. And write books so when you see players graduate and move on and do well for themselves that's the best feeling that we as coaches can ever imagine going through and then what puts the tear in your eye is five years ten years fifteen years twenty years from now and they come back and they say, thank you. And you're like, wow. Yeah. Makes you feel really, really good. You get me all emotional over here. I feel it. Yeah. I feel it. Yeah. It's tear in the eye. And I want to say this, Marcus, too, and that it, there's a saying, if, if, if you're a coach and you, you haven't been humbled yet, then you haven't coached long. Mm -hmm. And – it's 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 humbling, and, and you. I mean, you can be on in the penthouse one year, and the next year you're not on wins and losses. And I'm telling you, if you don't have things in perspective, if you don't love working with young people, mm -hmm. if you're not passionate about basketball, then you're going to become a soured person and a soured coach, and you should not be coaching. If you're just going to be in. Uh, wins and losses and worry about championships, then we're not doing it for the right thing. And I, I know both you guys are, uh, agree with that. But I'm telling you, if you're just in it for the wins and the losses, then you're not going to last very long and you're going to be miserable. That's not to say that we lost a one-point game to Jay last night, I mean last year, <laughs> because I made a bad call. I mean, it's it's, it's funny how the, the losses haunt, right? Yeah. You forget the, a lot of times the great, the great things, but I, I, I don't know about you, Ray and Marcus, but I, as we move along and 
to me, that's something that that is why I'm still coaching. Is 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 for the relationships with the, with the families and with the players, and uh, the sweat equity yeah. of trying to do something all all together. That's the meaningful thing. Yeah, I think I think it's important work that we do. I, I think that uh, I think it's important that people get to see. I don't think people always get to see uh, the heart that goes into it and what, what like what you guys are describing. I think uh, people get caught up in the wins and the losses that he should have played more or this guy should have played more. But but that's the least of our worries as coaches, right? It's more about getting them graduated, putting them in a better place in life, and, and hopefully making some success out of themselves and then uh, and developing those relationships. So I think it's important people see that side uh, to our profession and understand that, that it goes much deeper than, than just the game of basketball. Basketball is just yes. a, a tool that we use to reach these uh, young people and, and help them in their lives. But um, I appreciate you guys' insight and perspective. Um, that's 69 years' worth of experience between the two of you. Uh, <laughs> definitely uh, puts things in perspective for people, and, and you guys get the utmost respect. Marcus, yep. I'd like to add a little – I'd like to add a little something else to what we're talking about. Yep. Uh, yes, we're teachers, and yes, we are coaches. But you got to also remember, we are members of our school. Yep. And there's other things that go on in your school other than what you do. You know, yes, you teach a class, and yes, you coach a team. But there are other teams. There's football teams. There's the volleyball team. You know, there's the softball team, the baseball team, the track program. But then there's additional things, too, within the school. There's the band. There's ROTC, you know, the debate clubs. You know, the list goes on. And I think it's really, really important that people know who you are. Yes, you're the basketball coach, but it's important to go to the volleyball game. It's important to go to the football game. It's important to sit in the stands and eat a hot dog and watch the baseball game, you know. And when your principals need you to help out in a school setting, volunteer your services. It goes a very, very long way. Uh, other events that go on, a uh, band concert, show your face. Yeah. Go through it. Um, the prom. Put your tuxedo on. And go to the prom, and you know what? The kids love it yep. when they see when they see the coach at the prom. Be it, be an active participant in the graduation. Yep. You know, be there and just show the student population that you're there for them. And I tell you what, it that that just pushes you over the top. That's one of the um. You were asking about talking to assistants and trying to help them and guide them. That's something that they got to know, that they've got to learn to be a part of the entire school environment and not just focused on what they do in the gym. I've seen it too. I've seen both. I've seen the positives. People are putting themselves out there. And I've seen young coaches that will take the approach. Well, that has nothing to do with me. I'm not going to waste my time. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's really good advice, though. What you're saying for people to hear, 
it does go a long way. I know, like, when I go sometimes to uh, – I go, I do the same thing you're talking about, and I'll show up at the theater arts performance, the big play, yeah. and they freak yeah. out. Like, why is the basketball coach here? Yeah. Um, but it's just being a part of your school program and, yeah. and showing support to everybody. You got any more, anything else to add, Ray? That's it. Hey, man, thanks Thanks for having us, Marcus. It was fun. And, Ray, we I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, so hopefully we'll be in the gym soon. Yeah. Uh, they'll give us the go-ahead, and we'll do what we do best. Absolutely. Thank you guys very much. Thank you so much. It was fun. Steve, thank you very much for right. joining on. I enjoyed it, as yeah, always. I enjoyed it. Marcus, okay, Marcus. the opportunity. Um, everyone, be safe. Okay. Sure. You guys take it easy. Okay. Take care. Yes, sir. Bye. Can you hear me? I think we're having an internet situation. Got to plug himself back there in. There you go. I'm back. Uh, I don't know what happened, uh, but everybody disappeared. Your, your, dog, your dog chewed your ethernet cord. I've got some massive dogs. There's no telling what they did. I've seen them. <laughs> hey, right now you're going to have to test your uh, editing experience there. So oh, I got it. That, that's easy. That's easy. Take that little blurb out. <laughs>